Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across the Faith FM network, positively different radio in the morning. Wherever you are, you're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, how are you this morning? Oh, yeah, I'm so good. Just he is so good life. this morning. No, I'm actually like did you feeling have, good. Did you have a frost? Um, No. Oh, man, we had a massive frost where we were. No, I I literally, I live at like one meter above sea level. And what, a kilometer from seawater? No. Salt water? Like, no, literally like it's down the road. Like it's probably 200 meters down the road. Okay. Like less. I'm like on on the ocean. I'm not going to get frost. We had a huge frost this morning. Yeah, absolutely. If... uh, uh, Text in from wherever you're listening mm. and tell us whether you had a frost or not. Yeah. We want, we want to know. Dude, that's intense. I, Let's I see how many other listeners had a big frost this morning. I was a bit cold. Yeah. Then you know, I put clothes on and drove here and then I wasn't so cold anymore. And then you came into the office and uh, heat is going. Yeah, the heat is going. Oh, man, I feel good. You know, I tell you oh, yeah, what I'm grateful for this morning. Lyle, you know, particularly when it comes to cars, yes. you know how it's that kind of thing of like, if I can do it myself, I'll do it. Because, you know, where, yes. like for you, I think it extends a little bit further than me because you know about, and you know, how to work on cars a bit more. But like for me, it's like whether it's washing my cars. I've just been doing cars, longer, that's all. Yeah, but whether it's like washing my cars, changing the oil, like changing the spark plugs, all that kind of stuff, I'm like, I'm doing it myself. Yes. Because I know how to do it. Yes. So I'm going to do it myself. Yes. Well, yesterday, um, I, I had to be somewhere and I was like, I need to wash my car because I just haven't washed it in ages and it looks gross. And so I went to the local car wash and I was like, you know what? I'll just go through the auto washer. And at this particular car wash, they have some guys that come down and wipe the wheels before you go in. And I went through and came out the other side. Literally, my car looks like it's from an ad. It's shiny. I can see my reflection. It's like the shiniest <laughs> my car's ever been. I'm like, man, what have I Maybe been I doing Maybe I need to wrong? visit your local car wash. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, Lyle. Positively yes. different news. Yes, you've been wanting to talk about this for days now. Well, I know, days. I know. Well, since I found out it's about it yesterday. Cool. Lyle, it's time. It's time. It's time. Flying cars are here. <laughs> Flying cars are here. This is, this is, it's time, bro. Oh, this is amazing. Essentially, um, in Slovakia, which is, the most random place for a, that is a random place, yes. to come out of. Uh, in Slovakia, this guy has created the first ever exotic sports car that is also um, a plane. That is epically cool. And, and it's like in the most car plane way. Like it's not, you know, it's not just like... So basically this thing has... Uh, the tail plane is just like kind of the fin that you'd have on the back of a sports car. Y- yes, so you, 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 your vertical and horizontal stabilizers at the back is just the fins, you know, just a little yeah. bit oversized. Yeah, actually massively oversized. It looks like a race car. It's got like yeah, yeah, yeah. huge... Look, exactly, but this is a sports car, so it kind of suits the it car. It kind of suits the car, and then it has wings that come out of the side that kind of fold in once they're not in use. And so when you're driving it down the road, the, all, of the, all, of the, all of the rear controls are still there, but it just looks like a car. Yeah. It's just, and then you just uh, pop the wings out. And then you just pop the wings out. And then you just take off. Is this piston engine or jet yeah, engine? No, it's um, it's it's got this gas engine. Uh, that's okay. the that's the only thing that I see lacking in this. Okay, so let me just give you a rundown on the car. It's named uh, the Air Car, which yes. is classic name. Um, it's by it's made by a company called Klein Vision, and the founder Stefan Klein has been working for twenty years to get this off the ground. He's like, 
literally the prototype's been in prototype for 20 years. Like, he's wanted to to do this. Um, and, you know, it's the car itself, it's, you know, actually quite... So, is this like a gas... Ter- like, does it have a propeller or not? Yes, yeah, so it's got a propeller. Oh, it's got a propeller. Okay. It's got a propeller. So, right. uh, during the maiden flight, the air car was able to reach a cruising speed of 105 miles an hour. That's like around 170 that's, k's. That's decent. Um, at an altitude of 8,200 feet. So mm-hmm. That's two and a half k's off the off the ground. Um, with a fuel economy that would be able to maintain its trajectory, so it'd be able to fly for 600 miles. So that's about a thousand k's. Yep. Yep. So you'd be able to fly like to a Brisbane. Cessna. It's basically it's, it's a basically Cessna. a Cessna. Yeah, 100. Yeah, yeah. but, uh, but it's a sports car. But, it's, it, but then you land it uh-huh. and you pull press, the wings in. You push a button and it literally, it's all electronic. It's not like, you know, remember when they were doing like kind of the first convertibles and it was a bit hung, like, particularly like the target top ones mm-hmm. where it's a bit mm-hmm. hunky junky. Mm-hmm. You have to get out, out and push it yeah, down. Yep, yep, no, yep. you push a button and it like, the wings folds, disappear. like folds in and then you go and drive it. This is very cool. See, here's what I think they should have done with this. Mm-hmm. They should have used a jet engine, right? Oh yeah, okay. Because then the jet engine, because then you'd have a propeller at the back, mm. and so it wouldn't look that obvious. Yes, it would kind of sound obvious. <laughs> but you could have the jet engine so that you could either use it to turn the wheels, because back in the nineteen sixties, Plymouth in the United States built a production car with a jet engine in it. Uh-huh. Uh, which just sounds insane when you hear it going down the road, um, but and and then you could use you could uh, when you could transfer when you take off from wheel power to exhaust power, hit the afterburners and away you go. Well, you could you could actually just have because this thing here the, the whole I'm sure, I'm sure this I'm sure they've researched it and decided this was a bad idea. So. <laughs> yeah, well, the whole thing runs off like a, a seemingly underpowered motor. So it's like a 160 horsepower gas powered BMW engine. Right, so it's incredibly like. This so is, what's its what's its on road performance like? Uh, well, for me, I'm thinking 160 horsepower. Like it looks like this, just kind of really slow, but it's, not terrible. It's not terrible. Like yeah. it's my it's, car's got a lot less than 160 horsepower. Yeah, but you know it is a sports car. But this is the thing: is that my car's got like future, 20 horsepower, and they're all kicking each other to death. <laughs> but this is where they're at at the moment: is that this is the prototype. And they, the reason they picked this engine is because they knew it would be stable and they, they had lots of parts yes. for it. They had accessibility to it. Um, but now that they've got the prototype up and going, um, they're starting to receive international interest through, you know, investment and whatnot. Uh, their next plans is to, like, the, the next step is that they want to uh, be able to upgrade the engine, uh, allowing it to hit. They want to hit a cruising speed of around 200 miles an hour. That's their thing. That's at decent. the moment, it's at 100 miles an hour. That's decent. They want to hit a cruising speed of 200 miles an hour. And they are, uh, yeah, just going to go about that by seeing, you know, the different engine options that they can throw in there. Yeah. I think, I think, I think in, uh, what is it, Cessna 182, we used to cruise at about 120 knots, mm. 240K, something like that. But I'm thinking as well, like the application for this thing, like to have a flying car, like, man, you could, you could fly to the Solomon Islands. Yes. And do missionary work. No. Because it's a sports car. You can't drive it on the roads. It's the Solomon Islands. They have lots of potholes. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> what they need is a four-wheel drive. Is a, sport, is a flying four-wheel drive. This is the step right. that they need to take. This is how we can we can use it. Um, dude, yeah. Oh, this is so cool. I, I think this is amazing. Oh, man. Okay, I just have... And a- they need a stole version. Sorry? They need a stall version. What's that? Uh, Short takeoff and landing. They need an, a VTOL version. 
vertical takeoff and landing. And he'd be <laughs> yes. able to just like, you're sitting in the manga's car park. It's called and the drone. Just go like, it's called All right. Okay, so uh, Lawson and I are just sitting here completely like geeking, geeking out, out <laughs> so on good. amazing technology while producer Shell is like yawning and trying not to go to sleep over there. <laughs> but this is positively different news. This is like the most epic thing ever. I know. And it's just making our morning enjoyable and happy. All right. So I quick- like news that makes me happy. This makes <laughs> okay. me very happy. Okay. Yes, Lyle. All right, so in other news, um, I am obsessed with the idea of the, there are different remote locations we can do Faith FM from. Uh, I just, yes. just doing it all around the world. And a study has been done that has actually found, you know, it's ranked 100 countries on its digital uh, nomad scale. So where you could just go and live as a person who does work online. Um, and actually, Melbourne is number one. Oh. Which is... Terrible. Now I'm like, I don't you know what? I just want to stay in Newcastle. Defend <laughs> <laughs> all the Melbourneites this morning. One. And uh, yeah, good for them, I guess. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, so I'm going to start with this story. It comes out of the UK. It's something that I'm somewhat unfamiliar with. And it's about the, uh, a lady by the name of Kate. Those are, That's a, a, a name that has been just added in there for... Uh, the purpose of having a name uh, because she is remaining anonymous. And uh, I just want to say this story is about abortion. Mm. And for some of you, that's going to be a traumatic subject. We understand that. We get that. Uh, If you are needing to talk to somebody, lifeline number is 131114. That is 131114. She decided to have an abortion and... uh, she decided to have her abortion pills by post. So this is something they do in the UK. I'm not sure whether they do it in Australia or not, but it's a service that's available there where you can basically ring up your GP and order pills by post. Yeah. Um, take the pills, have the abortion. Uh, you can do it in the first 10 weeks, and it's fairly straightforward. There are two pills that come, and you need to take both of them to make it work. Now, this process can be reversed after the first pill, in particular by progesterone. don't know what that is. I'm not a doctor, but it can be reversed. And so this lady, Kate, took the first pill and immediately had massive amounts of regret mm. for you know, taking the life of a child. And so she called up uh, a doctor, um, Dr. Dermot uh, Kearney, who, as you would expect, prescribed progesterone. Mm-hmm. Um then she panicked and she called uh, the Pills by Post people, MSI, and said, can I reverse this? And they said, no, it's impossible to reverse. You now need to take the second pill and complete the um, abortion. Mm. She didn't take the second pill. She didn't do anything. She just panicked and froze, mm. basically, which is something that human beings do do mm-hmm. under times of great stress and lost the baby. Um, with a miscarriage, it was a little bit traumatic. Uh, she ended up having to be in hospital. She had to have an operation because not all the baby came out mm. and had to be removed before it became septic and so forth. And uh, anyway, to cut a long story short, MSI, this is the pills by post um, abortion people, had Dr. Dermot Kearney placed under investigation, which meant that he came under an 18-month ban because he had uh, prescribed something that 
reversed what they had given to this person. Mm. Um, and, uh, of course, they then sent their representative around to see Kate while she was in hospital, just after she's had the miscarriage. She's dealing with immas- massive amounts of emotional trauma mm. because she's lost a baby that she decided she wanted to keep in really traumatic circumstances, and then there'd been a whole bunch of medical complications that went along with that. Uh, She was weak, she was ill, and he came around to the hospital bed and basically tried to bribe her to testify against this uh, Dr. Dermot Kearney by saying that you know if if, if she testified, he would fast-track her through to counselling. So this is pretty dodgy stuff. Um, and then when she refused, because she's like, no, I'm not going to testify against the guy. He just offered care and sympathy and did what I asked. Mm. Um, he was, he, he, he told her, well, then to expect an email from the general medical council in a threatening way. She felt super threatened by it, super intimidated, um, and couldn't understand what was going on. And so then the MSI, this is the Pills by Post people, used this case to fabricate a case against the uh, this Dr. Dermot Kearney without her permission. So it's her case and they're using her case to make up this whole thing that ended up with him being, he's still under investigation. Wow. And he's been banned for 18 months uh, while the investigation continues. Uh, and what it's done is highlighted the amount of re- regret that a lot of women suffer from abortion, and this is becoming a really big thing. And uh, what the lawyers who are defending Dr. Dermot Kearney are saying is that we shouldn't be restricting progesterone. We should be making it available. Nobody really knows that it is available, and we need to be expanding this program because what we have here is not just the death of children, you know, children that are going to be killed as a result of abortion, but we have a terrible effect on mothers. Mm. And so it works a little bit like this. Uh, depression amongst abortion mothers is, you know, almost 100%. Mm. And that's the, that's the massive tragedy where people are just really lacking compassion towards these mothers by pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing for abortion and not making this kind of research available. That depression is much bigger when you have a situation where a mother has instant regret, mm. starts the process, has instant regret, wants to reverse the process, can't reverse the process, and so then the child is killed, the mother is dealing with much higher levels of depression and regret as a result, and the best treatment for that is these pills that can actually reverse the process. And, of course, MSI, trying to get the pills banned, trying to get the whole thing squashed, trying to persecute doctors who use these pills, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Mm. it just is very, very revealing about the kind of world in which we live today and the attitudes that are out there, which is almost like kill at all costs. Mm. We don't care for the mother. We don't care for the parents. And I haven't even started to talk about the fathers yet and what the fathers go through. Yeah. Because it takes two to make a baby, and we need to remember that. And often there are fathers who desperately want to have their children when you know the mother chooses to have an abortion. 
Anyway, we're going to head over to the uh, the United States real quick, and this is the case in the Supreme Court. They, have, for the second time, have rejected a case against a florist in Washington State. Uh, Baronel Sturtzman uh, had been selling flowers to Bob Ingersoll for years. He was an openly gay man, and she was his florist. Mm-hmm. Time came that he decided he wanted to get married, and she said, "No, this is um, you know against my very sincerely held religious convictions um, to provide flowers for this. I can provide flowers for anything else, but this is a Christian ceremony, and so I can't. That's those are my religious convictions." Mm-hmm. And of course, she was sued and then fined for refusing to do so. Appealed to the Washington Supreme Court. The fine was upheld in 2018, based on the Jack Phillips case. That was the Cake Wars case. Um, it was asked that uh, because he was found innocent by the Supreme Court of the United States, uh, Washington Supreme Court was asked to reverse that. They looked into it again, still refused to averse it and abide by the Jack Phillips case and stated that she was discriminating based on sexual orientation. Well, she's kind of not because she'd been serving this guy for years. Mm. She was... Uh, just choosing not to do something that was against her religious beliefs, and so she has been fined not for discrimination but for her faith. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of world in which we live for. You can be fined for your faith these days. You can be jailed for your faith. You can be jailed in Victoria for just praying for somebody when they come to you and ask prayer for, for from you even if you live in a different state. Wow. It's a pretty wild world that we are living in, Mm. and it all reveals to us that Jesus is coming back very soon indeed. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Okay, fantastic. Well, joining us in the studio this morning is Kelvin Langman. Kelvin, it's been ages since we've had you Mm. here. Yeah, but it's good to be back. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Now, for those it. of you who uh, who might have forgotten who Kelvin is in the uh, while that it's been here, Kelvin is our local expert on all things weird, wonderful, obscure, and wacky in the Bible. And I'm told that this morning's material is all about bells and smells. It is. A little bit from the Old Testament, a little bit from the New. A little bit of good smelling stuff and a little bit of bad smelling stuff. Ooh. All right. Mm. This is a breakfast show. You do remember that, right? It is a breakfast show, and I will warn people, yes, you might want to uh, avert your hearing if this offends you. If, if, if you are about to take the mouth full of something, then uh, <laughs> all right, let's, let's launch into it. Um, Kelvin, where are we starting? Um, it's all about perfume. Oh, okay. Like, it's a good place. We want to smell good. Yes. We like, as humans, we like to smell good. So mm-hmm. we put smell, like pleasant smelling perfume on. Yes, what perfume does God wear, though? I'll leave that question with you. Okay. Okay, growing up... I feel got... like this is a quiz question. It, it, I, I it can is. just see Shell turning this into a quiz question. <laughs> um, growing up, have you got anyone in mind, like when you hug your auntie or your mum, have you got a smell that comes to mind? Hmm. My auntie used to work for David Jones, uh-huh. and she would have some of the most glorious... When you give her a hug, you haven't seen her, you catch up at a family do, she would smell divine. Like, she loved, you know, smelling good and looking good. Um, but, yeah, what about you guys? Have you got any favourite perfumes? My mum has this smell of a moisturiser that she's been using since I was a child. Like, it's her go-to, and, yeah, I just it's like... That's my mum. Yep. I was hanging out with her yesterday. I gave her a hug, and I was like, no, that's mum. So you'll probably find any time in the future, as soon as you smell that, you'll be reminded of your mum. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. you, Lars? I don't know that I do. So I grew up with in a single-parent home with a dad, mm-hmm. 
and we just kind of smelt like men. <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, you know, we, were li- we, we lived in the bush, and so it was just, you know... It- <laughs> you smelt like men, it, we, a.k.a. disgusting. Right. Yes. Like, what a dick. <laughs> so like, we worked so hard. Much BO. <laughs> we worked hard. Living in the country. But I do, remember, I do remember when I became a teenager and suddenly became conscious of the fact that there were young ladies around the place <laughs> uh, wanting to smell a little bit better. Yes, it's important to... Uh, direct yourself in that area. Yes. Yep. So anyway, look up Exodus chapter 30, verse 37 and verse 38. All right. So we're heading to the Old Testament. Yep. Exodus chapter 30. Why is my Bible upside down? Chapter 30, go. verse Lawson's 37 and 38. Go for it, Lawson. All right. Uh, but as for the incense which you shall make, you shall not make any for yourself according to its composition. It shall be to you holy for the Lord. Whoever makes any like it to smell it, he shall uh, be cut off from his people. So there you go. A, here's a special. The whole chapter is devoted on the altar of incense. So mm. it gives you some recipes to make um, these incense potions. Yes. Um, it also gives you some recipes to make the anointing oil that mm. the Levites used. Um, but it was very important. These were set aside and sanctified and holy. So you couldn't use them for common use. So that's why it says there, don't, you know, don't use it. And, don't don't, don't, and don't you it. make it. Yeah, but it's 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 interesting that God's got a certain perfume that he wants to use and he wants nobody else to use. It is sacred. But when you read the couple of verses before, it talks about a confection of the art of the apothecary. So it's sweet spices, stacti, onyxia, galbium, and um, frankincense. And I'd, I haven't smelt the others, but I have smelt frankincense, and frankincense smells, smells gorgeous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very, very quite nice. a quite a valuable um, odor back in its day. Mm. Mm. Yep, and it's important for its function. But if you imagine a little child when they get into mum and dad's or mum's stash of perfume, if you start splashing perfume everywhere, mum's not going to be terribly happy. And it's that- interesting how that God is interested in all different kinds of creativity and beauty. Yes, because you know the world is very, very um, extravagant. The, the beauty of nature is incredibly extravagant, but it's not just what God has created to look at. He's created things for all of our senses, including smell. Yes. Yeah, and it's crazy to think, like, God is concerned about smells. And this particular smell here, of course, was a great smell because it was a smell that was to symbol the righteousness of Christ, mm. yes. covering the stench of our sin because, yes. you know, blood would be sprinkled in the sanctuary. Yep. That would smell bad. That would That blood was there as a symbol of sin. Uh, the sins that we had committed, and it was to remind us that sin stinks in the nose of God. And then you had this incense that would cover that stench, which symbolizes the righteousness of Christ covering the stench of our sin. Mm. I agree, yep. Um, Spot on. And that was the whole purpose of the perfume was to overcome and be a sweet-smelling savor unto God because what when our sins are piled up in the sanctuary, there's a stench that rises up. Yeah, oh. to neutralize the that stench smell. of sin. Mm. Yeah, yes. Mm. Which brings me to Luke chapter fourteen, verse thirty-four and verse thirty-five. We were told we're going to have a bit of Old Testament, a bit of new. So here we go over the new. So, so here's the new. What was the chapter and verse? It's Luke chapter fourteen mm-hmm. and verse thirty-four and verse thirty-five. Mm-hmm. So we've had the good smelling stuff. Now I'm going to take you somewhere else. That's not so smelling. Just warning anyone that's having breakfast. <laughs> oh, I know this. All right, passage. Lawson, you're going to have to go with this one because I went to Mark. All right, that's not, salt. That's not working for me. Luke. Uh, Luke 34. 14, 34, 14, 34 35. 35. 
Uh, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, it, it, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, stop and think about this. Yep. Mm. There's, a, there's a lesson here that Jesus wants us to cogitate yes, on. Yes, Yep. So mm. the salt is the thing that hits me first, but then you read on, it talks about the dunghill. I always wondered, why does God allow? Why did, what does God document? Why does he historicize, if I can use that word in that context, um, dung in the Bible? So I started looking. Okay. This is not just animal manure. The word here for dunghill is specific to a type of animal, mm, a two-legged upright human, human animal. Uh, what, what is the thing? Is a two-legged <laughs> uh, bipod or what was the thing? Is a featherless two-legged? Hey, uh, you, you I got me lost. Uh, you you like, work on that one and uh, come back to us. I think it was like how Aristotle like uh, classified humans as like a two-legged, like uh, featherless, wingless. Bypass. Anyways, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah. us, us. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's particularly yep. offensive. It is. But why mm. is it precedented? Why is it preceded by salt? What is the purpose of salt mm. when it comes to dung? Oh, have you ever con- considered that? No, never. never. Never seen any kind of relationship between the two <laughs> whatsoever at all. Okay, maybe it's just me, me, and that's a bit weird. But I, I started digging. I started looking. Well, this is this is why you are here. Yep, yep, Kelvin. yep. So salt in biblical times was used for preserving. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. And even today, like we use That's right. we salt olives, you know, to make them yes. last longer. Um, it was used to add flavour mm-hmm. to something, but it was also used as a salary. It was pay. Yes, it was money. That's yep. right. Um, but salt was also used to cure illness. Now, I only had my wisdom teeth out, well, probably eight or ten years ago, but I can remember... Like when you had this open wound and the dentist says to you, go home, put salt in water and gargle this. Saline solution. Saline solution, yep. So it prevents infection, but it can also cure mild infections as well. And my mum and dad always said, you know, if you've got an abrasion, go jump in the ocean. Like, But that's the last thing you want to do because it stings. Uh-huh. It hurts. Uh-huh. So salt, um, in this verse here, it says, salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savour... Wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land. Why would it be fit for the land? Well, in biblical times, they used to get their salt from two different locations. One was around the Dead Sea. Still do. And Yep, and that's in Zephaniah chapter 2, verse 9. So the, the salt that you get from the Dead Sea is very high in... Um, it's, it's got sodium chloride in it, but it's also got magnesium sulfate. It's got um, potassium chloride. And it's also got a calcium uh, mineral in it as well. So it's actually quite fertile. There's some rather cool chemicals. Yep. So if you were in an area that you, you do had... With, do things with some of those chemicals. You can. And magnesium's fantastic for growing plants. Yes. Um, but if you're in an area where you've got impoverished soil, you can sprinkle that salt and it actually adds mineral content to the soil, making it more fertile. Are you serious? This is probably the only application of putting salt on land I've ever heard that's a good thing. Well... Usually you do the opposite of that and Yeah, kill that's everything. right. It just kills everything. Yep. Let's have a look at Judges chapter 9, verse 45. Here's right, an opposite right. application. We're going to learn something oh, here Oh, man. I'm, I, my interest is peaked. They used yeah. to do this in biblical times yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to make sure that nothing grew. Okay, Judges, what's the chapter? Ja- Judges chapter 9, verse uh-huh. 45. Yeah, but it wasn't just to stop things growing. 
I can't remember where it is. There's a verse in the Bible that says you cannot bless that which God has cursed and you cannot curse that which God has blessed. So let's have a look at Judges chapter 9 and verse 45. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day, and he took the city and killed the people that were therein and beat down the city and sowed it with salt. He sowed it with salt. So he sounds like a farmer. He's he's sowing. Yes, he's sprinkling stuff like he would sprinkle seed. seed. Yes. This is not going to grow. So he uses, the, in, the, in the Bible it talks about, um, I think it's 2 Samuel 8 and 1 Chronicles, it talks about salt from the valley of salt. Mm-hmm. So this was a salt that is actually very high in sodium chloride. So it's a dehydrating, it's a desiccating salt. Um, but this salt, when you put it on, on land, it actually renders it infertile. Mm, mm. So the Bible does talk about two different types of salt, a mm. salt to improve things or a salt to make things worse. And this is what I was saying. You cannot bless that which God has cursed and you cannot curse that which God has blessed. If God has said something is bad, doesn't matter how you try to improve it, it's never going to improve. So here's Abimelech. Uh, like going around, you know, like he a wants farmer. to turn this place into a desert. Oh, yeah, and like it, never exist ever ever yeah. again. And it says that even like the the land will remain barren eternally. But this is one of the aspects of salt. Salt is a preserving characteristic. So if it if it is if it renders it unfit, it remains unfit. Mm. You see, but if you improve the flavor, the flavor remains flavorsome. And in the Bible, it says, um, "What good is it?" It was in Luke, wasn't it? What good is salt if it loses its savour? So salt always has an influence. Mm. But the the only time salt is no good is when we don't use it. Mm. And this is the gospel message. It is the gospel it message. It is the gospel message. Yes. Yep. Because salt it, is no good while it is still in the salt shaker. Yep, mm. absolutely. And the Bible says that we are like salt, mm. and if we are still in the salt shaker, we're not actually doing anything any no, good. That's right. But what's interesting Two thousand years ago, you didn't have flushing toilets or what we have today. So you went down the back corner of your property, and there was a mound of dirt that you would actually u- utilize for your uh, bowel functions. Mm-hmm. But you would grab a handful of salt and put that on top of your waste product, if I can use that word tastefully. Yep. Um, and this waste product was actually rendered um, the the odor would actually be removed by the action of the salt, but it was a desiccant, so it dried it out. So that stopped it smelling. But also And it stopped, it stopped the spread of disease as well. I was just gonna say See a, see in Tasmania we used to use hue and pine shavings. Yeah, and and that's that <laughs> sawdust is awesome for that sort of thing too. Yep. So how about that? Like all that's this absolutely fascinating. I had no idea because it would it would, you know, in in an environment where, you know, you did not have flushing toilets, the possibility of disease spreading is pretty massive, but this is actually a really efficient system. Yep, and everyone living near the Dead Sea, everyone had handfuls of salt. Yes, it's no wonder that salt became such an important currency because you used it for so. Many. I didn't never realize you would need to you, you would need to have a fair bit of, a fair bit of salt on hand for all the different uses that it was put to. Yeah, you don't take the dunny roll out to the to the back <laughs> shed. You take a handful of salt. Awesome, wild. And, and the dunny roll as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'd want. We, I don't want to get rid of all the modern conveniences, but th- this certainly gives you a different aspect on ancient culture. I feel yeah, absolutely. Wow, interesting. That's oh, that's fascinating, Kelvin. Thank you so much for coming uh, in this morning and talking about salt. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.